Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vinyl Obsession Podcast. Thank you for clicking play and joining us on the inaugural episode. It means the world to me. I'm your Vinyl Obsessed host, Rich Recor. Now let's get it started. Hello, planet Earth and beyond, wherever this gets to. I don't know. It's kind of deep, right? Like, I don't I know how it. to start this. Do you know how to start this? I love that. Yeah. I don't there's, know how to I mean, there's absolutely other galaxies yeah. that are going to be tuning in. Uh, we don't want to get this deep right off the bat, but here, I know people have probably already switched this off and been like, yeah, no. Like, what have I get myself into? <laughs> Is uh, it deep to think that we're not the only ones? I, I, I suppose, right? Like, if you want to, like, be very selfish like humans are selfish that this is a whole wicked off topic here we go wow i know like it's not even like subject matter what's going on (laughs) hello everybody um thank you for even clicking listen to you know on this podcast uh my name is rich and um so what i wanted to do was create a podcast mainly about vinyl because if you ask my beautiful wife here my wife jessica beautiful warrior princess as i like to call her <laughs> that is that, that is uh one of many things i've been called yeah sure. yeah um so i have a minor obsession with vinyl i think vinyl is the correct way to listen to music it's warm it's inviting it's all-encompassing to me you get kind of like an experience rather than kind of just pressing play on something and like as jessica gets very upset because i use the word compressed all the time Yes, I have a very different understanding of compression. <laughs> but exactly, compression, exactly. But for me, like I like how warm and open and an experience that vinyl is. You get the jacket, you get you know the front cover, you get a picture, you get you know you get the inner sleeve and you, all the artwork and all the attention to detail that someone's put into it, rather than something that someone just clicks on spotify or itunes not you know not that i hate both of them because hopefully both of them put this up and i love both of you guys so <laughs> i will really suck up yourself in the foot yeah, right I away don't care. i will suck up <laughs> um but yeah i think vinyl is just the premiere and correct way to listen to something that an artist has put so much thought effort and attention and detail into that's quite a statement to make right off of the bat the <laughs> well, correct it's just way kind of how i feel i feel it's the correct way i mean but whatever like people can do whatever like you know what i'm saying like whatever floats your boat whatever gets you happy it's gonna have to be a whole other episode it is gonna have to be a whole other episode but kind of what i wanted to do was you know yeah you, know, you want to do in life what you're passionate about and like dealing with records talking about music I think if you would ask Jess here, it's my thing. It's what I'm passionate about. It's what I'm good at. And, you know, the other day I was talking to my good buddy Ryan, who, trust me, he'll be on episodes. He'll be mentioned a lot. He's kind of enigma. He's a <laughs> an awesome, very enigma. Per- we'll, we'll say enigma. He's he's the best. Enigmatic? Enigmatic person. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you guys are going to absolutely love him. Um. That's our yeah. That, that brings me. You know what? What I wanted Wrap to do this was intro kind of, up. Wrap it. We we clearly got the disruptions already. Let okay. them know what's going on. Yeah. So anyway, like I just I don't didn't want to. That was our cat feeder, by the way. <laughs> I didn't want to die being a claims adjuster. That's what I do for a living right now. Is I'm a claims adjuster, and I recently just had my fortieth birthday. 
and Ooh. and kind of had a rough time with it because you know like i think you know everyone wants to kind of leave their mark on the earth and you know we're we only have a very short time in this planet and i kind of wanted to spend it doing what i want to do and what so i'm passionate let's about make a damn podcast and that's what exactly you know thank you you know my wife kind of has been pushing me to do this and getting it off the ground and I figure she would be a great person to do some of these with because she'll be a good person to bounce things off of. And, you know, we're going to get more into in, into Jessica right now. Yeah, I know. You're going to hear my phone go off and such. I'll be the co-producer. Okay. I've made myself the producer, silencing your phone. All right. So introducing Jessica. Jessica, say hello to the world. Hello, world. Okay. So Galaxy, um, Milky Way. Me and Jessica are married, happily married, marital bliss. We've been married for eight years now. Bliss. Wow. Yeah, That's bliss. an aggressive yeah. word to put right yeah. on that. Wow. Okay. But yeah, marital bliss. Apparently, there'll be a divorce podcast pretty soon of Never. me just crying and sleeping on somebody's couch <laughs> and just me and all my vinyl records. Never. I'm here for the ride. Okay. That's what I want to hear. Um, so... Jessica, I got to ask kind of like, you know, like I'm a music junkie, like I'm a music fiend. Like what, what is your attachment to music? I attach music to everything. I can put a song on and I can remember the first time I ever heard it. I can associate that song directly with a memory being like, Hey, I remember this was going on. This is playing in the background. Or I remember, you know, playing this song when this happened or, you know, stuff like that. What, what is your, what is your attachment to, to music? I don't think my attachment to music is as deep as yours is. I played a lot of music growing up. So I played, actually, this will be a fun pop quiz for Senor Marital Bliss over here. Don't do what it. three instruments did I play? The viola. Yep. The trumpet. Yep. And the bassoon. Nope. Um, it was something weird. It was. That's yeah. correct. I I wouldn't say super Well, not weird, weird but... but like, okay, like, so normal, she was in the jazz band because she was chasing this kid because she thought this kid was cute, and she wanted to sit next to him in jazz band. I did. So I switched from trumpet to this other instrument because I had a crush on a, a kid in know, fifth grade or so. Oh, it's a tuba. Nope. You're getting closer. Trombone. There it is. Yeah, yeah trombone. Trombone. Okay. Yeah. So... I, my music taste, you know, I played music growing up. Uh, my music taste is very eclectic. Oh, we're going to get into that. Trust me, that's the next thing we're going to get into. <laughs> the best way to describe that. Um, it's also not as in-depth or serious, I think, as some people can take music. I have an appreciation for a large variety of music. It's hard to It's hard to really put my finger on my attachment to music, but it's certainly not as deep as as yours but i do i love the emotions that music can bring out of people and i think that it's um incredibly underrated i love it okay um so if someone was to say jessica i want you to describe your musical taste to me how would you describe your musical taste to somebody I think eclectic would just have to be the word well yeah all right so get kind of get into all over the map all over the map such as I like Taylor Swift. I like Metallica. I like Black Sabbath. That we're going to talk about. Um, oh, wait, it's fucking spoiler alert, man! Oh, get did, it all away. 
Oh, are we not no, supposed to give that away? <laughs> I, I want you guys to know I was given zero script and zero preparation for because this. Because I think raw emotion off the cuff is the best way to do this. And here we are. Um, so, yeah, I'm. do you want me to just name a bunch of artists that I like? I, well, like yeah. I mean, I like everything. I'm not a huge country music fan, but yet if you put on pop country, I know the song somehow. I don't have a single one of their albums gross (laughs) sorry sorry to anybody who likes pop country but gross can you insert the wah wah sound effect here that's fine continue um i just i don't know all all over the map okay i like that um do you remember what your first so you never really got into vinyl until we met that's correct yeah do you remember concerts really or concerts really we're gonna get into that too um do you remember what your first cd was like your first like it was Uh, either given to you or you went out and bought it do you remember like what your first musical possession was i don't remember what my first cd was we i had cassettes as a child all right then what was can you remember like what your first like you'd be like this is mine i picked this out this is for me this is mine well it's really embarrassing oh this is why i'm asking it was definitely Hanson. <laughs> I, I, I know you like Hanson. Yeah, there's nothing, I mean. Only for Mbop. I don't think. Yeah, but I mean, like, that that was kind of like the market for you at that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that you were kind of right in that sweet spot for yeah, that. Yeah. And who yeah. doesn't really like Mbop? Like, it's a. Yeah. It's, it's a... Um, and actually, I can picture my first. I don't know if it was definitely my first CD, but the one that I remember mm. liking and putting in my Walkman the most was this, I think they're Irish band, Super Poppy, One Hit Wonder, Bewitched. You told me about them before. I think you played them for me before. Like we, It, it wasn't even on Spotify or anything like that. You had to put it you, up on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. That's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, man. Look I, them up. You won't regret it. <laughs> I, you might not. Hey, you know what? This is That's what this is all about, right? <laughs> no, you'll regret it. Okay. So um, you, as you kind of mentioned before, um, first concert like you never even really went to a concert until we started dating and we we've been together we've been married for eight years but we've been together over 11 mm-hmm. 12 almost and um so what was your first what, what was your first concert i have a lot of embarrassing answers to these this, questions this is that why i'm asking, asking you these questions um so my first concert was I... Oh, I remember. Yes! Oh, my God. Tell the people. The people need to know. Jessica, tell the people I right would now. like to preface this with I... Jessica, stop trailing and tell the people. Did not buy this ticket. You sandbagging son of a bitch. One just, of my mom's friends surprised me. Just tell the people. Because I watched American tell Idol. Tell the people. And I got to go to a Clay Aiken concert. <laughs> and it was magic. Okay. See, hey, Clay Aiken. <laughs> Word. All right. So Clay Aiken was the first concert that you saw. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what what would you say the best concert you ever went to was? Mm, that's probably a tie between my first Alice Cooper concert mm-hmm. because the theatrics I just love. I was starting to get more into rock music and I was just like awestruck at the performance and the music with that concert. But then the Blink-182 concert that we went to yeah so that was the uh it was the last With tour Alkaline they went there was the neighborhoods tour so it was the last tour they actually did together before they 
before Tom left the band and they broke up and they brought Matt Skiba in. So yeah, that was we went all the way out to like fucking Long Island. Yeah, we were in Long Island for that. We went yeah, to Long we Island. We went far for that. Yeah, we we were in Long Island. It was pouring rain that day. That's see, yeah. that's what I liked. I mean, I yeah. I was I had you know like Blink One Eighty Two for a while. I had liked Alkaline Trio, so I was just really into the concert. And Alkaline Trio opened, ironically enough. Yeah. Already, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. already was in for the music, but then it was outdoors. So it was an outdoor concert, and then it started pouring rain, and we were soaking wet. And <laughs> it was towards the end of the show, and we were just like standing there, screaming at the top of our lungs in pouring rain. And I was having the time of my life. <laughs> All right. So we talked about your best concert. What's the worst concert you've been to? Ah, uh, see this thing. So let me preface: this is not the worst concert I've been to because of the performers. Okay. It was because of the audience. Oh, word. Okay. It was another Alice Cooper concert that we went to at the. It was an auditorium. In oh, Lynn. Was yeah, it, that no, that was in Lynn. Yeah, in Lynn, in Lynn, it, in Lynn yeah. Massachusetts. It was a super like it's so weird. Like it's a super small. It's almost like so. It's a Lynn Memorial Auditorium in Lynn, Massachusetts. So me and Jessica, we've both. Hell from the great state of Massachusetts. We I should have preferenced that. About six months ago, we moved not to the great Commonwealth of Virginia. <laughs> so we are Virginiaites now. So um, we saw Alice Cooper at a at at the Lynn Memorial Auditorium, which essentially looks like a fucking town hall. Yeah, it like, was like a high school auditorium. Yeah, it's super tiny, and it was weird to see. But like, continue, please. I'm sorry, I'm hijacking. No, this from that's you. fine. It was just no one was standing up like you're supposed to stand up at a concert especially a rock everyone was sitting down people were just not getting into it it was it it was like a fully seated performance like there was no the place for people to stand like so if you were in front of the so it was literally like like an old school like theater theater yeah and it was weird like so like everyone people were getting mad mad because we were standing i remember that that's right that's right yeah um all right so um i remember i told you like not a long time ago but like very short time ago when i said we're ready to do this podcast when meaning like a half an hour ago i said jessica write out some questions that you would want to ask me so fire away you have questions to ask me so i can give the people long-winded answers that the nerds like me want to hear people need to know about you people need to know about about me. me Okay. But uh, can you introduce, I would love for you to introduce what is this podcast, this episode going to be about? Because I did, I knew, you, you know, the main topic you wanted this podcast to be on. And I wrote a couple questions Okay, that have to do with that. Okay. So. Although I kind of spoiled so it kind of, I know. It's it. So what I always, what I kind of wanted to do was talk, you know, encompass about vinyl itself, vinyl records itself, and then also get into a discographies of a band each episode so every episode we would go through, talk about a band we talk about this you know the discography go through their whole discography talk about their their you know their beginnings their their you know how they got into their like what's their best albums what i think their best presses are all that good stuff like that um so this episode our premiere number one episode is going to be about a band that's very near and dear to my heart i it's black sabbath i absolutely love black sabbath i've been listening to them for years um do you have any questions that aren't related to black sabbath just one then you can feel free to ask the just one because i have a couple questions and then we're going to get into black sabbath for you a couple more questions okay so 
Well, I think we, well, you let me know when you want my Black Sabbath questions. They're not questions about Black Sabbath, but okay. it's about you. Yeah. So people can get to know oh, yeah. you. Cool. Absolutely. So my first question that has nothing to do with vinyl or Sweet. music or okay. Black Sabbath. Okay. It, I feel like it's just going to give people a good idea of you. Uh, this is um, going to be bad. Okay. It's not. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Oh, Coke. There's not even a, it's not, oh, ooh, see, she's trying to push buttons already. It's not even a competition. We're dividing the audience. We are dividing the audience. Hey, you know what? If you like Pepsi and, you like, and you're a blue can person, A, hats off to you. There is only one beautiful sweet nectar in this world, in the world. If it wouldn't give me diabetes and I would drink and I would die a short death, I would drink Coca-Cola fucking <laughs> a, a 24 cans a day. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's brown, fizzy, beautiful elixir. It tastes great. It has like this bite to it. I don't know. It's beautiful. I like. I, I love it. Your passion for Coke is very closely rivals your passion for vinyl. No, not really. But I do <laughs> love Coca Cola. Like, you know, I drink Diet Coke now and then to be a little more health because I'm, an, you know, I'm an adult and I try to drink Diet Coke a little more than I do regular Coke. But once in a while, I like to sneak a regular Coke in, especially if we're mixing it with the <laughs> a- alcohol. So, alcohol. Yeah, mix a water in every now and again. I like soda water, but continue. Okay, my other two questions. They're yeah. would-you-rather questions. Okay. And they have Black Sabbath involved in them. Do you want those questions now? No, we'll do that when we get into okay. Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, question for you before we go in, go into talking about the great band of Black Sabbath. Um, Jessica, answer this question for the people and for me. I can go without hearing this song ever again and be bold. Shock the people. You want me, I can go without hearing a specific Black Sabbath song. No, ever again, any, or song, any song, any song. Like, be like, everybody loves this song, but if I could not hear it again, thank God. I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. Do you want me to? I want would my like, answer first. I would like your answer about a this. A lot of people are about to click off the podcast oh, when I say this. Already losing them. Fuck you all, Bohemian Rhapsody. Stop it right now. If I look, I love that. Stop. I, I love that. Listen, no, I love that song, but it, it's divorce. just divorce immediate, no. immediately. Where's the I lawyer? I love the band Queen. They have so many fantastic songs. Freddie Mercury is probably the best vocalist that there ever was. That damn song, they have more songs in their discography than that damn song. Of all songs in the whole it's so world. Played out. And I used to love that song because now it's just like it's 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 everywhere you look now. Like they played at stadiums, like like during sport games, like it, it like it's weird. So talk to me. to me a little bit about that, because this is something I feel like we have had discussions about before. Yeah. And I feel like this is where you get the whole richest pretentious yeah, thing. Yeah, it feels a little pretentious to me no, to immediately decide, or maybe not immediate, but to decide that you don't like a song because it's now become popular. No, not that it's popular. It's just played so often. Like, it's just like, it's like, I, it's, you turn on the radio and you put on either any, any current rock station or a classic rock station. I guarantee you, if you listen for an hour, you would hear Bohemian Rhapsody somehow. It's all over the TV and commercials. It's all. It's at sporting events. Like it's everywhere. You go. Like you go to see fucking Green Day, and Green Day plays it before they come on stage. Like not them playing it. They play it over the PA. So the actual Queen song. On but the PA. when when that 
arguably is a song that has united people across wait a minute fuck off different genre loving groups you can go to a wedding like you said a wedding a concert a sporting event and every single person from every walk of life is singing that 12 minute song at the top of their lungs It's, it's nothing against the song itself it's just if i didn't hear it again I would be okay. So, Trust me, I have a lot of these that would literally shock people. So are you mad at the song or are no, you mad at the popularity? I'm not at the mad at the popularity. It's just like it's overplayed. And if I have to hear it again, like I'm just like... Okay, like literally, I, I love Queen. A Night at the Opera is a great album. I will skip Bohemian Rhapsody. I won't play it. Blasphemy. It's not okay. blasphemy. It's just because, like, listen, <laughs> we're going to talk about Led Zeppelin at some point. Ladies and gentlemen, Led Zeppelin 4... Stop with Led Zeppelin 4 because you know what? If I have to hear a fucking stairway to heaven one more time, I'm going <laughs> to bash my head into this table. All okay, right? so as we were talking, then I, I have my answer. Okay, go ahead. For what song I would never listen to again. Okay. And that is Sweet Caroline. 100%. All right, so being from Massachusetts, being from Boston, you have to understand, like, no matter where you go, you go anywhere. You go to a Red Sox game. You go to a fucking wedding. You go anywhere. You go to, like, Thanksgiving with your family. <laughs> Somehow, Neil, and I love Neil Diamond. Spoiler, folks, I love Neil Diamond. And you're all probably laughing at me, but I love Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond is great. Sweet Caroline sucks balls, folks. I'm sorry. Tell us how you really it feel. It does. I'm sorry. That song is horrid. Do you know Do you know what Sweet Caroline is about? No. Sweet but you're going to ruin it. You have nope. a, a great avail, uh, ability to ruin songs for me. Sweet Caroline is about uh, Caroline Kennedy from the Kennedy family. It's one of uh, JFK's kids. Okay. Yeah. Sweet Caroline. How did it so, become a Red Sox that, seventh I don't, inning? That I don't know. I, that's, it's seventh not seventh. Inning? It's eighth inning. Eighth inning eighth song. Inning. Yeah. No, that I don't know. I, I don't I think randomly they played it once and everyone probably sang along with it and they're like oh cool like and now it sucks because like that's just tied to the Red Sox now and like that's what pisses me off it, the Red Sox could be losing 23 to, to 2 <laughs> and in the 8th inning all of a sudden all is okay because fucking they're playing Neil Diamond and they're playing Sweet Caroline good answer Jessica I love it so I being the amazing producer that I am, I did look up I, now because now I'm curious. You mean Google's the third producer uh, of this show. Yeah, Google is the third <laughs> producer of the show. I don't think we can say their name. It's like a Beetlejuice situation. You can't say yeah, them three no, times, otherwise up. they're gonna bill us. <laughs> um, okay, so Sweet Caroline was first played at Fenway Park in 1997 after a Red Sox employee in charge of music at the park played the song as a tribute to a friend who had given birth to a baby named Caroline. The song caught on and has played before the bottom of the eighth ever since. Hey, Caroline a... from Boston, Massachusetts, who was Shocker. born in 1997, this is all your fault. You did this to us. <laughs> so thanks, Caroline. Congratulations. I hope you hear this somehow. It's all your fault. <laughs> I have to play you this, like, this, um, <laughs> here's a, a thing I saw on TikTok, if I could send to you, that um, it's this this guy, he's playing in a pub, he's playing in a, you know, he's an acoustic guitar and a microphone and he's singing Sweet Caroline and somebody comes from behind the stage and literally tackles him because he's playing Sweet Caroline <laughs> and it just stops and nobody in the crowd like goes to stop him. everyone's just like oh my god what just happened it's hilarious because it. it's so funny he was timed he okay? it perfectly <laughs> I think he was okay it was just funny um that's amazing. That's a very bo- – was that in Boston you said? Yeah. That's a very was, uh, Boston. No, not in Boston. I don't know. It was on TikTok. I forgot to send it to you. I saw it on t- it was like a random TikTok. Well, if it's clip. on TikTok, it's real. Yeah, that's, that's that's a good point. That's that's a very good point. 
so before we dive into Black Sabbath, I wanted to like a little more to go into like the actual like my passion about vinyl and like the first time I ever saw vinyl and got into it and why I like it so much. I touched upon it a little earlier. This could be my ADD kicking in, folks. It will happen sometimes. This whole podcast is yeah. a stream of Rich's ADD. Yeah, congratulations. Hang everybody. in there with us. Hang in we there, Vinyl Obsession better. listeners. Um, <laughs> so some of my earliest memories in my life, I can directly correlate to my old man had a crate of vinyl records. It was an, it said S&D, and it was a peaches crate. It said S&D peaches, and it was this wooden crate. And it had records in it. And I, when I tell you I was obsessed with this thing, like I was just like, I spent all my time with this thing. If, if I wasn't listening to it, I was flipping through it, just looking at the covers, pulling out the vinyl, checking out the vinyl, looking at it. It's just, I, I love, I don't know why I was so drawn to it, but I absolutely loved it. And like, you know, titles that were in there were just like your standard, you know. I, I was born in 1982. <gasps> and, yeah, I know. So, you know, these were 60s and 70s titles. So, like, you know, the classical titles that somebody would have in that time. Like, my, it was like a combination of like my... What, what titles? Looked like my old that? man's records and, like, my mom had a few records spoiled Wait, 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 wait. Do you want me to... Uh, all right, I, so my mom's that were in there. <laughs> I remember very vividly, it was like Anne Marie's Greatest Hits, I Honestly Love You, and a copy of Beatles 65... Which um, I'll show you the cover of Beatles 65, but it's them pretty much just sitting on a whole white background on like a, like a box, and they're all like holding umbrellas. Okay. okay. And written in pen all over oh, the no. cover was I Heart Paul. Oh, no. Nancy, Nancy McCartney, <laughs> stuff like that. My mom used to joke and said, like, I should have been like Richard McCartney. Like, <laughs> Paul McCartney was supposed to be my that. dad. That's amazing. Um, so those are my my mom's two only two records. So that what were did in there. what was what did your dad have? Oh in there? my god! All right. So I remember vividly he had a copy of like Sgt. Pepper's versus because my mom had Beatles sixty five because she liked the pop hits and my dad was like, no, like I like when they get quote unquote weird and heavy. So he had like Sgt. That's the first time I ever saw Sgt. Pepper. I uh, wonder where you get it from. Yeah, I know. He had <laughs> he had a copy of the Who Tommy. He had a copy of Led Zeppelin. Um, physical graffiti, um, dark side of the moon, uh, days of future past, uh, moody blues. It, it's just uh, so many good records that, like, I just they're my complete memory, and it breaks my heart. I wish I had these records in my possession. I don't because I remember very vividly when my dad <laughs> bought a CD player. And he took the crate of records that I love so much. And he went, hi, I won't need these anymore. Oh, and he tossed no. them into the dumpster. Oh, no. He, we lived in an apartment building back in the day. And he tossed them into the dumpster. Because he's like, oh, we get it all on CD now. And how old were you when that happened? Yeah, maybe eight. So you didn't know any no, better? No, I didn't know any better. Because I was like, oh, yeah, CDs now. Okay, cool. But, like, I longed for vinyl. Like, I wanted... Because, like, CDs, like, very cold. Hey, if you like CDs, that's cool. He likes CDs. But to me, it's very cold. Like, again... Jess is going to hate it, but it's very compressed. It's very, it stays in its lane. It doesn't, it's not wide open. It stays in its lane. It kind of directs you. It's like, hey, dummy, pay attention here rather than like more vinyl where it's kind of open, where you can kind of be like, all right, well, I can hear what the bass is doing. I can hear what the drums are doing. I can hear what the synth is doing. I can hear X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And that's, that's your passion, right? So to me, I like, you know, the emotions that music can bring. So I think any way that someone can access music, whether it's a, a cassette a CD, Spotify, 
you know, live vinyl. I'm pro. I'm just pro music. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously pro Spotify. I am a, you know, we pay for a Spotify membership. That we do. Um, <laughs> I, I love Spotify because, I mean, you can go and listen to it in your car. Like, I can't, I don't have a fucking record player with me in there. I wish I had a turntable in the car with me. It'd be great. They should come up with a portable they turntable. They could skip like a motherfucker, but. <laughs> You know, I I am for Spotify. You know, that's that's great because it's a great invention. Because like, you know, anytime you ever want to hear anything, you could just literally type it in. Boom, it's there. Like, is it the optimal way to listen to it? I don't think so. But like, you know, it's you know, in, in the words of Russell Brand, like in in Get Him the Greek, he goes, "That's not up to me if they want to call me Jesus." You know, and that's not up to me to say that this is like you know the way to listen to music. It's just how I feel. So. Some might say pretentious. Not exactly. Me. Some might say it. I'm not pretentious. <laughs> um, you know yeah, what you, you like. Please drop me a line at uh, our Twitter handle. This is where I'm going to plug our socials oh, for the plug first the time. Social. Yeah, yeah. So at Twitter, we are at VO Pod on Twitter. And standing and, for Vinyl Obsession. Yes, podcast. correct. And uh, on the Insta, we are vinyl obs- at Vinyl Obsession Podcast. So um, there's no content there yet, but no, but we will. It will but, be. But like, you can feel free to send us messages. Be like, hey, I love the show. Hey, I hate the show. Hey, Rich, shut up. Hey, Jess is awesome. Well, hey, Rich is great. If you, you know, want to give me the Rich is great, thanks. Rich is great. We uh, we know that there's going to be some Jess is awesome comments. I would like know to know that. if they feel you're pretentious or if I am being overly. If judgmental. you are listening to this podcast and it's called Vinyl Obsession, you are just as pretentious <laughs> as I am. So I maybe think even more. I'm maybe people are even turned off because they're like, this guy is not as pretentious to me. He hasn't mentioned audiophile presses or what needle and gauge he uses and what cart he uses and da 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 da. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there at some point. Absolutely. So you're saying I'm in the minority here, and I'm just being overly judgmental. No, no, no. I mean, I'm a judgmental <laughs> prick. We all know that. Anyway, moving on. So our featured artist in this section today, on episode one, is the almighty Black Sabbath. So the first time I ever heard Black Sabbath um, would be from my father, obviously. Big shock. Um, you know, My father was, I could say, is like the creative driving force behind like my obsession with music my father would be hanging out with his friends and we would always have music on and he'd be like hey you know, my name's rich but my family calls me ricky i hate being called ricky but whatever they're my family they call me ricky he'd be like hey ricky um you can call him ricky <laughs> <laughs> hey ricky um you know who's the lead singer of black sabbath ozzy osbourne all right what record label are they on warner brothers what color is their first label? Green. Like I, he used to just like rat off their discography, and I'd be like six, eight years old, and like people were like floored that I knew all this information because like my father kind of like drilled it into me. Um, so we'll talk about the Almighty Black Sabbath now. So that was the first time I ever heard them. Uh, it would be in my dad's van. Uh, he had a copy of uh, We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll, which is like the Black Sabbath Greatest Hits collection. And that's the first time I ever heard Black Sabbath, and I loved it. It was awesome. It was War Pigs. It was everything. I love War Pigs. I, I know you do. <laughs> um, do you remember the first time you ever heard Black I, I got that. Let me guess. The first time you ever heard Black Sabbath was Guitar Hero, wasn't it? Oh, you're so right. Yeah, I knew it. See? I knew it. I, I am... knew it. I the know it. opposite of 
vinyl obsession and i feel like your audience members are going to judge me no they're not going to judge you but if, if this anything, is a judgment-free pro- zone everybody I'll even provide, though we're the most prevent- pretentious <laughs> motherfuckers on planet earth I'll provide but, the entertainment that you yeah. can laugh at me yeah I, I but knew, yes and and you know what a world my wife will school your asses in guitar hero she's i crushed very, it very very good at guitar hero <laughs> all right so We'll kind of talk about the formation of Black Sabbath. You know, you're going to learn yourself a thing there, too. You might know this whole story. I don't know if Jessica does or not. Oh, or, tell me. Or if the people out there don't I'm ready to learn me know. something. Yeah, I got to learn you something today. Um, so, Ozzy, so I'll just go off and we'll name the, the members of the band. So we had Ozzy Osbourne, very famous vocalist. He was do, the lead singer. I do know Ozzy Osbourne, yes. Joan Iommi was the guitar player. Uh, Geezer Butler was the bass player. Still then, hands down one of my favorite names in rock. Yeah, Geezer Butler. Yeah, it's <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, and uh, Bill Ward was the drummer. Who Bill Ward may be the most underrated drummer of all time. I'll get into that a little more later. Um, so Ozzy and Tony Iommi were schoolmates. They went to the same school together. What, like college or? No. Like, like so in England, they call it primary school. Okay. Um, they were schoolmates together. And uh, Iommi actually was a bully. And he used to beat the piss out of Ozzy no. all the time when they were like, yeah, they were growing up. So Ozzy was like a, like a, was picked on all the time by Iomi. Can I ask? And maybe you'll yeah. get into it and I'm beating you to the punch. Yeah. Is Ozzy his birth name? John. 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 John Osborne. John Osborne. Okay. Name. Yeah. John Osborne. Where yeah. did Ozzy come from? Because his last name is Osborne. Oh, okay. That makes yeah, sense. So it was kind of like wah, it's a wah. British thing. Ozzy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, okay. All right. Um, so they were um, found in Birmingham, England. So Birmingham, how much do you know about Birmingham, England? Very little. Very little. All right. So Birmingham, England is very, like a very dark, cold, rainy place all the time. Isn't that England, though? It, that's true. But like Birmingham, more specifically, okay. it's very industrial. Like a lot of steel mills and stuff like that. A lot of, lot of that's where like the heavy metal sound a lot, will, which I agree with, kind of comes from is them like living in near the steel mills and like yeah, the bands like black sabbath and iron maiden and judas priest they all kind of came from birmingham england and they have that you know that grungy heavy gritty dirty sound and that's kind of where it came from because that's like that was their upbringing so um time goes on with the black sabbath guys before they start a band um ozzy um decides he uh wants to be a career criminal and um, Ozzy breaks into a school shop. Uh, breaks, in, I believe it was a school shop or a clothes shop. What do you mean when you say a career criminal? Like that? Like I read his book. <laughs> like a Tony Soprano situation? Not like a Tony Soprano situation. <laughs> no, like he was gonna like steal and do whatever he could. That's how he was gonna live. He was gonna like break in other places and steal things, and like that's how he was gonna live his life. Oh, all yeah. right. Yeah, because he didn't want to work in like the mills and the factories. Yeah, like fuck the man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fuck the man. <laughs> Um, so Ozzy gets pinched. He goes to jail. He gets out and he realizes he doesn't want to be a career criminal because he knows he's going to end up in jail or dead. So he wants, you know, he always wants to be a singer. Um, he sees the Beatles on TV and that's when he kind of knew when he was younger that he always wanted to be a singer. And so his dad, like, wanted to invest in his future. So his dad bought him a PA. And back in those days, especially how poor of a time in England, especially Birmingham, there's no money really in Birmingham, England. 
if you were a singer and you have your own PA, you're pretty much in the band. Like, it doesn't matter if if you have a voice or not, you're in. Um, the simpler times, one would simpler say. Simpler time. <laughs> so Ozzy goes down to his local shop in Birmingham, England, and he writes a sign that says, Ozzy Zig requires gig, has own PA. I love it. Yeah. Entrepreneurship. So that was, his, that was his first stage name. Is he had an idea that he wanted to be Ozzy Zig. Oh. Yeah. Is, does that have any connection to Ziggy Stardust? It might have. I don't, I don't know too, many more, too much more of that story. But yeah, that's, he wrote uh, the sign that said, Ozzy Zig requires gig, has own PA. Uh, Iomi and Geezer Butler and Bill Ward are uh, a band this time. And they need a singer. And um, they see the sign. And Iomi kind of looks at it and goes, well, I know an Ozzy. But there's no fucking way in hell that it is the Aussie that I'm thinking of. The Aussie that I beat the shit out yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes over to the house, knocks on the door. Aussie's dad answers. And then Aussie comes out and hilarity ensues because I always like, I can't believe it. Like, oh, my God, this, this can't be. No, no. And they agree to have a rehearsal. So Aussie brings his PA. They go to rehearsal and it works. And off the bat, they are not the Black Sabbath you would think of. They are actually, they started being a blues band. They were called Earth. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah I mean, blues has a lot of, you know, rock has a lot of ties yeah. to blues, so that's not that surprising. So they were a blues band called interesting. Earth. Okay. And they Earth were just kind of like a, a bluesy, acid rock kind of band. And um, their old rehearsal place was actually across the street from so when they are rehearsing at their spot in birmingham england they are across the street from a movie theater and um they notice that like the line is down the street for this movie and they're like oh it's like a scary movie and then they all kind of had the idea they're like what if we started writing scary music because it's different like there was nothing like that then Okay. So their whole idea was, hey. And what what year was this? So it would be obviously before, right before their first record. Their first record was in 1970s. This is probably sometime in 1968, 69. Okay. Um, they took their name, Black Sabbath, from Boris Koloff film, um, horror writer from back way back in the day. Um, so they said, all right, we're going to name Black Sabbath. Then they wrote the song. Black Sabbath. Shocker. <laughs> I, exactly. So that's, that's where they're kind of like... Creative genius. Creative geniuses. Um, so they start making this more heavier, scary, darker sounding music. Darker sounding music. And then they're getting really popular. And then right before they go in to record the first record, you know, at this time, they're not famous musicians. They're all holding jobs. Like they all work in the steel mills. So Iomi was a steel forger, and um, he was working a steel cutting press where you'd put the large sheet metals in, hit the lever, blade comes down, cuts the sheet metal. So he's doing this, and he's not really paying attention, Uh and he puts his left hand into it, and he brings it down, and he severs all of his fingertips off of his left fretting hand. Tony Iomi did that? Yeah, this is before he became popular. Oh, shit. Correct. So he thought his career was done. Like, he thought the band was done. So Iomi, like, the basis of this band... How it how it's done is Iomi writes all of the music, 
and Geezer Butler writes the lyrics, and they just kind of give the lyrics to Ozzy, and Ozzy just kind of sings over. <laughs> just go. Yeah. He's the front man. He's like David Lee Roth. Love it. Um, so, Iomi's got no fingertips. He's wondering, what am I going to do? Like, I'm done. Like, with that, I was about to have this big opportunity. We're about to break. We're about to go in the studio. I'm done now. I have no fingertips on my fretting hand. I don't know what I'm going to do. So, he takes, like, this candle wax stuff, and he actually makes fingertips on his fingers like he the melts stubs. yeah he, little stubs. he makes like little stubs and he realizes if he uses lighter strings and i'm gonna get really really nerdy on you and you know people who know guitar theory because i play a little bit of guitar so i know like what kind of what happened here is i play guitar hero yeah so <laughs> rather a standard pitch would be e-tuning okay and then he slacked it down he t- down tuned a half step with lighter strings so the strings were a little easier to play and bend and get a finger on it, and that really developed his sound all of a sudden like he had like this very open sound and he played very high up on the fretboard because the, the frets were smaller and were easier for him to get up there interesting yeah so he was really one of the first ones to down tune so does he still because we've seen them play yeah. and i don't think i've ever noticed that does he still put wax or does he has pro- no does he, he have has aesthetic no he has he those same kind stubs. of things he just has a, he just remakes them all the time interesting yeah because he tried to get prosthetics made but they didn't it's not the same it's not the same huh yeah so yeah he, he it's all severed from like almost his knuckle up and no one's been able to make him something. I feel like no, because it wasn't comfortable to him. Because I mean, yeah. like, so like, think about that though. Like, if you've played your whole life, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna change it up," and you're like, "It's very finicky. It's a feel." That's fascinating. Yes, that's that's rock and roll right there. That honestly, is, that's rock and roll right there. <laughs> but that's what kind of makes that Iomi signature sound is like he has such light strings and he's down tuned, and that's what makes the really dark and heavy sound. And that's why, like, 1969, 1970 nothing sounded like black sabbath because of that so really. one could argue that the you know be steel being so prominent at the mm-hmm. time is what made black sabbath yeah yeah so we owe black sabbath to steel to steel it's a metal go figure right uh that is the coolest thing i've ever heard in yeah. my whole life yeah so everyone's learning themselves the thing is too. <laughs> i mean a lot of black sabbath fans know that but maybe you didn't and you're just tuning in and you're like, hey, I'm going to learn me something new. That's something new for you. There you go. So in 1970, they go into the studio for the first time ever and they make their first record. It's shocker. It's called Black Sabbath. Again, I'm so shocked. So me and, me and Ryan talk about this all the time. Like we have like bands who are like the band Black Sabbath from the album Black Sabbath and their first song is Black Sabbath. <laughs> like you just know what you're getting. Like Bad Company. It's like... The band Bad Company on the album Bad Company, their first song, Bad Company. Like, you know what you're getting. <laughs> don't don't fix what isn't broken. Correct. <laughs> so, um, in November of 19... Uh, November, excuse me. February 1970. It's just when the record comes out. And if you think about the landscape of early 1970, there is nothing on planet Earth that sounds like Black Sabbath. Like, it's <laughs> it's it's very different. And they were saying, like, when they started writing all these songs, their darker songs and stuff like that, when they started developing their sound, that, like, people would run away. Like, they would be afraid because they thought they were, like, Satanists. So they played into that, and they're like, oh, yeah. 
Have you ever seen the cover of the first Black Sabbath record? I don't think is it the. I don't think I have. Okay, let me show you. I'm gonna punch, I'm gonna punch it up on my phone really quick. Well, you keep going. I'll look it up. Yeah, so Google, can... Google it. So uh, Black Sabbath album cover, because uh, I'm gonna describe it right here. So I can only imagine what it was like in this in 1970 to grab this record if you've never heard of this band, and it's the creepiest looking cover. And it's literally this like figure. This one in, with the houses. Yeah, but this figure in black standing oh, in front of a watermill that's dressed in a black croak, and it's portrayed by a model. Her her name is Louisa Livingstone. Are you sure that's not Ozzy? That looks like Ozzy. No, her name is her name is <laughs> Louisa Livingstone. That's she was a model, and that's kind of like how they shot the cover. And like, think about that. Like, if you knew nothing about that band and you saw that cover, what would you think that is? The, I mean, it looks like um, a horror film. It looks exactly. like That's you know the, yeah. the artwork for a, a horror movie. Exactly. So, ironically enough, they go in the studio, they make this killer, fantastic album very quickly because they don't have a lot of money. They're signed by Vertigo Records in the UK. And Vertigo, just as you know, any record nerd knows, Vertigo has the absolute coolest record design. Like their their label is the coolest thing ever. It's like a like a like a they call it the Vertigo Swirl. Okay, it, it's super cool looking, very sought after um, for original Vertigo records. I'm not trying to backtrack. Yeah, but. I think people will get to know me that I like to be correct about everything. Yeah. Um, I think it's Louisa Livingstone. Okay, that's good. That's, that's fine. how you pronounce that name. All right, thank you. I, I'm horrible and shit <laughs> at pronouncing names, everybody. So. Louisa sounds better, but it is... Um, it sounds more evil. Lu- Louisa, I think, is the uh, okay. the, the popular pronunciation. That's, of... that's, that's what you're here for. <laughs> I got you. So, so the, they, go into the re- they go into the studio. They make the record really quickly. It's that dark muddy gritty heavy Birmingham sound what songs were on that album so on the first album so you have like I said the first song was Black Sabbath then The Wizard and then you had the Behind the Walls of Sleep and then you had like a like a medley that led into what is one of my favorite Black Sabbath songs NIB so um, they had the song written but they didn't have a title and Ozzy randomly one day just wrote up the initials NIB for some reason and Geezer walked by the board and sorry and then below it he wrote Nativity in Black because oh. he thought it was cool sounding and they were like oh that's it that's the name of the song so that led everyone to be like oh my god they're Satanists like think about that like they, it was a very different time I got it yeah <laughs> Um, so on side two, you have like Evil Woman, which is a which is a, a crow cover song, like an old blues band, and then you have uh, Sleeping Village and Warning. Um, like that first side though is so iconic, and the first side is when you think about that being a major their first major debut, and that's the first side of music that they put out to the world. That's astonishing. That's so good. I love it. Um, so what I want to do is I always kind of want to like, you know, if kind of tell you the presses that you should be looking out for if you're out there in the wild. But if you're listening to this podcast and you're a vinyl nerd, you probably know which presses you should be looking for. But hey, if you're just joining in and you're, you're just building your collection. Or stuff people like, excited about yeah. vinyl. So you always want to look for the original 
UK Vertigo presses, which are pretty much impossible to find, but hey, they're out there. They have to be somewhere. They're either in a dumpster or they're in a collector somewhere. Just for this album or for all no, Black for like, Sabbath No, so albums. the first four, five, I think the first five or five Black Sabbath albums have the Vertigo swirl. So they're super sought after. They're super expensive. People want it because it's iconic. It's so cool looking. Um, I don't have any, but if anybody wants to sell me some at a good, reasonable price, uh, that's at VLPod on Twitter. Get at me. <laughs> I, I'll make sure Jess doesn't read those messages. And if Elon shuts us down. Yeah, exactly. Drive, if Elon shuts us down, drives we, 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 can go, we, can go, we can go on the Instagram, too. Go to the IG. Um, also, so in America, which is more widely available, they were on Warner Brother Records in America. So... Again, we're going to get super nerdy because that's what this podcast is all about. So there's different stages of pressing for Warner Brothers. So the first early Warner Brother presses of most things are like this really like puke green or pea green color. Ugh. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's it. not, yeah, it's not like an attractive color, but like that it's super identifiable. You when you see that, and you're like, oh, that's was so, that in the eighties? No, that was the seventies and sixties. Yeah, that's like their first labels, like their first big labels. I guess that color feels very seventies to me. It is. So you have chronologically, you have what's called the green labels, then you have what's called the palm tree labels, and it's the set of it's supposed to be of Burbank Street. Of, of Burbank in in LA in LA in California okay. um, so it's got like beautiful palm trees and stuff on it like very 70s vibe as well like those are like second state presses and then you have like those machine cold <laughs> 80s press because at this point it's all just about getting it all out it's just like just plain white plain white with the very identifiable Warner Brothers WB shield so the more sought-after ones are the green ones, but as you can imagine, a lot of the green ones aren't in the best of shape because they're scratched up and have bong water spilled all over them from back in the 60s and <laughs> 70s. The people were, yeah. like, like the old saying is like, there's not a lot of good Frank Zappa originals because people were too high to take care of their records when they were listening to the original <laughs> Zappa records back in the day because it was the only people who bought Zappa records. I don't. I I could argue that I don't think Frank Zappa would want it any other way. Yeah, no, he wouldn't. God bless you, Frankie. <laughs> so that their first record came out in November of 1970, and then in September of 1970, their second record came out. What month was their first record? Their first it was in February, and then their second record. Oh wow! Was in September. So back. In like the 60s and 70s, this is how it used to be. It used to be like, it's not like it is now where like people take like five fucking years to make a record. <laughs> it used to be like you would do a record a year. When you were hot, you would try to do two a year. Like the Beatles, they have this out, huge catalog. The Beatles were only together for under eight years. That's crazy. Yeah, because they just pumped so much music out. They would tour, boom. Like K-pop. <laughs> yeah, like I don't it really. I don't. I don't know too much about K-pop. I've heard of them, but they're manufactured and they just they're money making machines. Oh, well, so I know they're very popular. They're like the highest. Out. Yeah, they're the highest streaming thing on on Korean Spotify. Pop, yeah, it's yes. K-pop. Yeah, Korean yes. pop. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to strike while the iron's hot. Um, their first album does very well in the UK. It it goes to number eight on the charts. 
doesn't really do very well in the states it's slammed by rolling stone magazine saying it's just stupid garbage music and it's too dark and it's devil worshiping so they go back in the studio because they're starting to get very popular in the uk they went all the way up into the top 10 so they're back in the studio striking while that iron's hot um the album actually the next album paranoid which is probably i would say their most famous record um believe it or not it was actually originally going to be titled war pigs that was going to be the idea for the album that was going to be the lead single was going to be war pigs they were going to war pigs not the lead single it was not it was paranoid uh, well so on. they're in the they're in the studio <laughs> and they're like hey we need one more song we need one more song and i always like yeah i've got this riff i've been messing off on and he played the the probably their most famous song paranoid and then they wrote it they did it in two takes and it was done and the record label changed everything they're like nope it's not going to be longer war picks it's going to be paranoid this is going to be a huge song for you guys and it was a throwaway song for them like it was a spot filler like they're like hey we need one more to make a record we need one more spot wow isn't that crazy when you think about that's it that's wild it's kind of like like deep purple like i i think i've told you that story but like for deep purple like they were they needed one more song for machine head and they were on tour at the time recording and they saw they went to a Frank Zappa concert and somebody in the crowd with a flare gun, some stupid with a flare gun, <laughs> burned the place to the ground. This was smoke on the water. So literally they just wrote about what was going on around them. I didn't know that story. And That's too funny. They needed one more song yeah, to make the album. And I love that song. Yeah. It's their most famous song. And it was a throwaway song. Wow. They were just like, oh, this is a filler. Here you go. And it's their most famous song. Yeah crazy when you think about it the people are simple i think is what artists have come to know yeah (laughs) um so back to record two paranoid um album's supposed to be called war pigs they change it to paranoid uh they they take that song of paranoid they change the album they put it out as a single it does so well in the uk it's also the first one that starts the break in america so now they're starting to get very famous in america um, so it was recorded at Regent Sounds in the UK. Roger Bain, who recorded and produced the first record, records this one with them again. Um, little little side note about Paranoid. Uh, in 1971, a nurse in the US committed suicide. And the album was actually found on the turntable when they came in. They saw her. And they tried oh, to press shit. charges against Black Sabbath saying, hey... <laughs> It was the music that made her kill herself that oh drove her to gosh. killing herself. So they tried to hold the band liable for her death, and it didn't. It didn't it, no all it did was just up. grow their cult following, being like, "Oh my god, they're like they're Satanists," <laughs> and Satanists used to follow them on tour, and like they would hold like rituals outside their oh, their. Geez. And what's kind of funny because if you actually listen to a lot of the lyrics, they're very much like a god loving band, like they like just they just present it darkly, and people hmm. just misrepresent it. It's funny. So that didn't hold up in court, though, right? It didn't. No, that was tossed out. That's nuts. That's tossed out. So talking about their, you know, their most famous album, War Pigs. Uh, so that first side, you know, paranoid. It, par- oh my God! See, I got War Pigs in the oh, green because it's wow. their first song on on. Do I get an award? Par- I've got to get an award <laughs> yeah, at this ding, point. You got one. Yes. You got one over on me. 
So first track on Paranoid is War Pigs. Probably, again, one of their more famous songs as well. And then Paranoid. Planet Caravan is the third song on the first side, which I absolutely love. Par- Planet, par- Planet Caravan. Um, it's a slower, more mellower song. Pantera. I usually hate covers of songs, but Pantera does an amazing cover of Planet Caravan. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this and you like Black Sabbath, I'm sure you've heard it before. And then closing out side one, of course, is Iron Man, which think about a more iconic side of a record. Um, Side two gets a little more, you know, more. I don't think people give much love to side two, even though I really love Hand of Doom. I love Electric Funeral. Fairies Wear Boots is on the second side. Good second side is just as good as the first side, but people give a lot of love to that first side. Just like the first album, the ones that you're really going to want to look out for is, you know, the Warner Green label. And then, you know, again, if you're lucky enough and you get that UK Vertigo Swirl, again, that's, you know, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, please. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's where you... Um, you accept this, tips in the form of yeah, Vertigo Swirl, yes, is exactly. what you're saying? <laughs> um, move, is a, right, moving on, let's talk about record three. Um, record three, what... Uh, Considered by many, including myself, as the Sabbath shining moment. Uh, it's still. Is it also called Black Sabbath? It is not also called Black Sabbath. Uh, it is. It yes, is. Yes, though. <laughs> um, it's called Master of Reality. Okay. Master of Reality. Um, still to this day, one of my favorite records of all time. It's, I think, Heavy Metal's Shining Hour. It's the best record best heavy metal record that there ever was so is black sabbath considered a metal band or a rock band metal or both? I would, a lot of people consider them like the godfathers of heavy metal they created a lot of the, i mean there's arguments that you could say that a lot of people think that it's sabbath a lot of people go even further back they say like i i don't agree but a lot of people will be like the beatles created it in 68 with oh, with helter skelter Okay. Like, I mean, yeah, Helter Skelter is like loud and da 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 da. Like, it's it's definitely like way different than the Beatles song, but it's not like heavy like Sabbath is. Okay. Um, Master Reality has that really cool. It's the most like everyone thinks it's like if Black Sabbath could be a color. To me, it's always black and purple. Yes, that's what I think of when I think right. of black. So that, they got that from this record. So it's an all-black background with this cool textured black Sabbath and purple, and then the bottom it says Master Reality. Um, very, very cool textured raised cover. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a first run that is an error print where it actually says Masters of Reality rather than Master of Reality. How many came out with that error not a whole lot like no one knows for sure but that's like the true like first run nice yeah so lucky enough to have that um again green label you want to look for the green label in america for a wonder press vertigo swirl in the uk um roger bain again producing but now the band is starting to take more of a forefront as well for producing so they want kind of like a little more say on the direction of the record, where it's going, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, on this one, they actually started to tune down the instruments even lower. So rather than just a half step down, now they're going like a step and a half down. So it's creating an even louder, sludgier, down-tuned 
angrier, more aggressive sound that is phenomenal. Just that quintessential. They're exactly sound. like that. Like it's like that dirt. It started what's called stoner sludge metal, like you know bands like the Sword and you know Clutch and Typo Negative, like that really like that guttural, just slow and low. Like it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Like they sing to it, type of negative, slow, deep, and hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is my personal favorite Sabbath record. Also has my personal favorite Sabbath song, which is the closer on side one. So side one is going to have starts off with Sweet Leaf, which is a uh, a brand of cigarette from Ireland that Iomi was smoking. They thought it was a cool name. They're like, oh, Sweet Leaf, and they're like, oh, kind of sounds like marijuana a little marijuana yeah. that's what i think of when i think of sweet leaf yeah and then they're like oh let's just write a song about pot and call it sweet leaf uh you know the record starts with just a dude taking a deep token and coughing <clears throat> and then it kicks right in phenomenal very epic very iconic um and then it starts with another very good song ever after and then it has like this slow pretty like interlude it's called orchid and then all of a sudden it just goes straight to the gates of hell into <laughs> children of the grave and my dad used to tell the story of children of the grave where when he brought masters of reality home for the first time 1971 and he put it on the turntable and he started playing it and he was playing children of the grave and my grandmother was like pounding on the door and crying and shouting out bible verses because she thought it was the most evil thing that she ever heard <laughs> and i just think that was the coolest thing ever you know side two you know has like the iconic the absolutely iconic into the void which again is that stoner sludge very 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 cool just an absolute classic classic record and really their shining moment um you know going into 1972 they start going into their fourth record which is surprise surprise volume four <laughs> black sabbath volume their four. fourth record volume four there it is uh you know drugs have always been like super big for sabbath no yeah way. go figure who would have thought i know and this is where you can kind of tell the drugs are starting to eat away a little bit at their psyche um you're lo- telling me drugs can harm you yeah go that figure is news to me um <laughs> So, you know, it's, you know, started and inspired one of their, you know, better songs on this record, Snowblind, which is just about doing a lot of cocaine. Mm-hmm. Yep, that sounds about right. But you can kind of tell because this album starts to go a little more unfocused and it has, you know, Snowblind and it has the ballad changes, which is really great. It's a great song. It's their first ballad you know, it was written about. It was written about. It was written about Geezer Butler's divorce. So he was going through a divorce at the time. Changes was written about yeah. Geezer Butler's divorce. Okay. And um, Charles Bradley, the soul singer, does this amazing cover of it, and it's so soulful, and it's just it's guttural, and it's the best thing I've ever heard. I like it better than the original version. I'm gonna play <laughs> both versions for you. Ooh. And I'm, I want you to kind of, you tell me what you think of it. A test. Yeah, a true test. 
You tell me what you think of it. Okay. I like, love you it. tell me which version you like better. I love it. All right, so that was Black Sabbath's version of Changes. Well, what did you think about that? So I really like that, but I I don't think I've heard that all the way through, ever. That feels like the first time I've heard that. It's really interesting because, you know, I do play Black Sabbath a lot, so that's fairly interesting. But who knows? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I just, clearly I wasn't paying attention. <clears throat> did, did, it, did it strike a nerve with you? Did it, did it touch you in the feelies? It got me in the feels. I it liked did. it. It, it felt very... Ballady. It is. It's a very sad song. It's. They all were. I think two or three. I think two of them. I think Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler were going through a divorce at the time, and that's where they kind of wanted to write a sad song. So this is a sad song. <laughs> Certainly. Um. Now, was this like the? It felt very different from yeah. the ba- Black Sabbath that we're used to. Yeah. Was this like the first song where they did some deviation, or well, were there songs yeah, I, I mean, they'd done a couple lighter songs, but this is like the first like really like ballad that they did like with a full on like piano and like kind of heartfelt. So yeah, I would I would say this is kind of like the first time they had a shot at that. Okay, I liked it. All right, well, so, so are you saying there's a more emotional one? There or? is. I th- there is a more emotional, soulful one. Go figure. Uh, the soul singer Charles Bradley, um, he does an amazing cover of Changes. I actually like this version better than the original version. Um, some people call, think it's sacrilege, but I really enjoy it. Like I think it's very soulful and raw, and that's what I like about it a lot. So this is going to be Charles Bradley's version of Changes. Okay.
to that was the soul singer Charles Bradley's version of Changes. And what was your uh, what was your thoughts on that one? So I don't know what the general can. I know you like that one better. I do. Is the ge- I liked it better. I think that's the short answer. But I have some thoughts. But what's the general consensus? I think the general consensus is like people like the Charles Bradley version, but I just find the Charles Bradley version superior like i just do i don't know why like it's just like it's very soulful like it's like you feel every note you feel every line like the aussie one i'm like you know the sabbath one i'm sure like yeah like so aussie's just written like handed not even written like he's handing these lyrics and they're just like all right cool hey man go ahead go sing it so Ozzy kind of had no feeling towards it. Like, they, they weren't really his words. That's surprising, because it sounded like he had no. feeling behind it. No, I mean, he's a good singer. But so there's like, definitely, and I think that's what I like about the Charles Bradley version more, is that it feels like it's very, the song is very, musically, it's very full. It's very, it has a lot of depth to it that I really enjoy. And it, it gives you, it gives you the feels. So he never heard that song before the guitar player in his band brought it up to him and was like, hey, I really think you should, this would be a great cover for you. And at the time, like there's this- Who had never heard it, Charles Bradley? Charles Bradley, and there's this great interview with Charles Bradley online. And he's talking about it. He's like, you know, I never listened to Black Sabbath before. I never heard Changes before. He goes, you know, the song came into my life like two weeks after I lost my mother. And like, that's where he kind of went with it. And like, Mm. so it wasn't like- it's still dealt with loss, but it wasn't like the loss of like divorce. It was the loss of like losing the person in your life, like oh. physically. So that's where he went with it. And that's why he was able to get like so emotionally there with it. Okay. I, yeah, I like it. I like, so the chorus in Charles Bradley's version, the bass is really heavy. And I yeah. really like that versus more of that. The piano driven. Yeah, but I like the piano. So that's one of the positives that I, I get out of the Black Sabbath version. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the bass, the heavy, heavy bass. In, okay. I, I don't know. In Charles Bradley. I, I like, I think it's better. I think they're both incredible mm-hmm. in their own right. Mm-hmm. If I had to choose one to listen to for the rest of my life, it would be Charles Bradley. I like it. So sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. It's just how you feel. You know, there ain't no good guy, there ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me, and we just disagree, everybody. You know what I'm saying? But you and I agree. But we agree, <laughs> but everybody out there might not agree. So it's just, you know, differing opinions. That's what makes the world go around, baby. You know? <laughs> sure. You know? Love, love a good cliche. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. uh, it's pretty bad at this point. Like, they're all pretty much just coked out the entire time. So it's cocaine Sabbath. Yeah, it's cocaine Sabbath. Um, so... Now they're trying to record their fifth record. They're set up in a in a mansion. They're actually recording in a mansion. They don't have a producer this time around. They're producing the record. So, so there's no one there to kind of give them direction or anything them like that. It's them and cocaine Correct. and a mansion. The, and them, cocaine, and a mansion. What a healthy and mix. Iomi, who, as I stated before, is kind of like the main songwriter and writes most of the music, and is now suffering through massive writer's block. Like, he can't get anything mm-hmm. out. And if he does, he throws it out. It's trash. Didn't like it. So, finally, he gets... Uh... So, finally, he gets a stroke of... Genius. Genius. A, a stroke of something. And he comes up with the very famous riff for 
the name of the, the name of the song is Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, and that's ironically enough the name of the record, the Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Um, a, unpopular opinion: a lot of people love this record. I'm not the biggest fan of it. It's okay. I think why? this is what. Don't, why don't you like it? Because it's very unfocused. Like okay. I think this is where it starts. You can kind of see everything starting to get very unhinged for the band. Like, again, that fifth member, Cocaine, is just kicking the door in at this point, and it's taking over. And, you know, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, good song, cool riff. You know, Sabracadabra, pretty cool song. But, I mean, other than that, like, I'm just it, – it's just, like, a weird album to me. Like, I'm just not a fan of it. Like, it, it's still kind of like that Sabbath sound. It's, you know, it's dark and sludgy, but you can kind of tell, like, they're almost like – to me, like, they're kind of mailing it in. Is that the general consensus, or does no? A lot like of people album? like this record. So you're in the minority. Uh, probably in the minority, but I can I don't know. Like it's just knowing their discography, and I was just like, ah, like you can kind of tell it's unfocused, and it's kind of like it feels like they were putting it out just to put it out. You know what I'm saying? Or were they just letting drugs and art take over? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's for you to decide. That's for you to decide. <laughs> this would be uh, 1973. So the first press for this one in the U.S. is actually this is when we first switched to a palm tree label. So the first one you're going to be looking for is actually a palm tree. That's the first press for this one. Um, Moving on, record six, Sabotage. I feel this is the most underrated Black Sabbath record that there is. There's great songs on this record. Um, You know, Hole in the Sky that opens the record is a phenomenal song. It's just like... Where they went with Masters Reality, where they tried to make it heavy, this is them taking it to a whole nother level. Like, this is, I feel this is their heaviest record. This is just like down, balls to the walls, very aggressive. Good stuff. Whole, whole in the Sky, very, very good song. My personal favorite, Symphony of the Universe, which is Bill Ward's shining moment in the band. Amazing drum fill in the beginning. Just, it's really, really fast and. Ozzy just screaming at the top of his lungs. It's phenomenal. It's really, really good. It's a very dark album. It echoes the dark place that they're kind of in at this point. And at this point, they fire their management. They bring in a new manager. The manager's name is Don Arden. Don Arden is like if Tony Soprano <laughs> was oh boy. A, a music manager, oh, an yikes. artist man, like it, it's this guy. He's very cold. He's very mean. Very calculated. Very, like, roughs people up to get what he needs. Like, yeah. like. And w- so, was that successful for them? Not really, because this is really <laughs> the downfall of the band. Like, it gets really, really bad at this point. Um, Don Arden's daughter, Sharon Arden, would later become Sharon, Sharon Osborne. Oh, shit. And to tell you the wonderful kind of person that Don Arden was, when... Don Arden first found out about Sharon being pregnant. He released his attack dogs on her. Oh my god! Yeah, like, like he's literal attack. Yeah, dogs. like he's not a great person. Like they didn't have like a relationship until like way later in his life when he was very close to death. Is like when her and Sharon, at the will of Ozzy, Ozzy wanted it to happen that they kind of like you know had a relationship together and that's the first time she got to meet any of the kids he got to meet any of his grandkids and wow. stuff like that yeah it was, it was it's nuts not a good person i mean it doesn't sound like it no 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 <laughs> 
So now we're in the record number seven here, 1976's Technical Ecstasy. Now, I like to say when it's a bad record, I steal this from the movie Spinal Tap. Have I ever showed you the movie This is Spinal Tap? No. That's one of my favorite movies. It's hilarious. It's so This is Spinal Tap is like a parody on like heavy metal bands. Oh, boy. Like it's all like their stuff. I love it so, already. Um, like <laughs> the, you know, the guy who's the, um, so it's a mockumentary. So it's supposed to be a documentary about the band, but it's a fake, it's a mockumentary. Yep, yep, yep. And he's, you know, the, Rob Reiner is the guy who did the film. And Rob Reiner's discussing, like, telling them, like, okay, and then you had this album, Shark Sandwich. It's actually only a two-word review. It just says shit sandwich. <laughs> and that, and that, this is their shit sandwich. Oh, no. Yeah, never. It, technical Ecstasy is really, really bad. Do you even own this album? No, I don't. <laughs> would you ever? Of course. If I found an original of it, sure. Yeah, just because I'm a completist. Like, I would like to. I would never listen to it. But um, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, like they're polishing up their sound like they're trying to be more appealing like they're trying to be a pop band almost like it's metal pop oh yeah yeah like it, it sounds like i know you probably don't know who elo is electric light orchestra oh i do yeah like the song telephone line yep. stuff like that it sounds like that but metal like it's very mm. strange it's mm. very strange Mm-mm. it's not a good fit for them uh dirty woman is on there dirty woman's a great song that's the only one that stands the test of time but yeah, technical ecstasy, shit sandwich, not good. You heard Rec- it here first, shit sandwich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Record number seven, not really much any better, a little bit better. Uh, 1978's Never Say Die. So I thought shit sandwich was record number seven. No. No. Uh, uh, oh, excuse me. You're cor- Oh, boy. Oh, another award for Jeff. Yeah, way to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, so number eight. I'm nothing never say die. if not correct. And nothing if not correct. Way to catch me. I love it. <laughs> so this would be record number eight. Never say die. Uh, still a very polished sound that doesn't work for them. It's not that gruddy, sludgy, guttural Sabbath sound. Um, but I feel this album's a little better. It's Why did they transition their sound? I think they were trying to appeal to more people. Like Darn Arden was trying to make them like more marketable more beatles-esque not even really beatles-esque but more like more appealing to more people rather than like hippie stoners okay um it's a faster and heavier album than the last album never say die is a great song like the the song never say die good song Uh, on this album they actually uh toured with their new label mates they took this new up-and-coming band up on the road with them a new warner brothers act van halen Oh, shit. A very young and very hungry Van Halen was so, opening up for a coked out <laughs> on their last legs Black Sabbath. So Black Sabbath discovered Van Halen. No, Black Sabbath did not discover it. So that would be, oh, this is going to be a whole other podcast. Oh, boy. Gene Simmons from Kiss, actually. So how did Van Halen end up touring with Black Sabbath? So because they were on the same record label. Oh, okay. They were on Warner, Warner Brothers together. So Van Halen really put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, pretty much. So like every <laughs> night, like they're like a young, no one's ever seen Eddie Van Halen before. And Eddie Van Halen's coming on the stage, like doing his finger tapping. And Dave is like doing his like little dances and like making the chick scream. And then like the coked out. Well, I mean, both bands were coked out. But I mean, like coked out for years, Sabbath comes out <laughs> and it's not good. They're getting blown off the stage every night. Uh, you know, they really were. They, Van Halen was like hungry and youthful, and they were just getting blown off the stage. So they kind of knew something had to change in Sabbath. 
So Iomi, Geezer, and Bill thought they needed a new front man. They needed to get away from Ozzy. Oh. Ozzy, I know, right? So well, knowing what you know now, that's nuts, right? Yes, I would so, agree. <laughs> so they make the decision they're going to move away. They're going to they're gonna fire Ozzy. They're going to kick Ozzy out of the band. Is that when he started his reality TV show? No, because that was in like the <laughs> 2000s. So this is, this is 1978, 79. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, Iomi, Geezer, and Bill, they thought like, you know, hey, new front man's going to re-energize the band, yada, yada, yada. Poor Bill Ward, the drummer, was Ozzy's best friend. They vote him to do the deed to kick oh Ozzy out God. of the band. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is ruthless. So... I mean, Ozzy was out of his mind at this point. I mean, this just pushed him further. Yeah. And so Don Arden's daughter, Sharon, at this point tells her dad, hey, there's this, there's a, a, a new singer who I think would be really good for Black Sabbath. And I'm going to play you. Sharon screwed over her husband. No, this is before they were married. So her Sharon Sharon was thinking for herself. This is why. Sharon told her dad, hey, this guy is the, should be the new singer of Sabbath. And by the way, let Ozzy out of his contract and let me be his manager. Oh, damn. Yeah. This, yeah. Maniacal. Yeah. I love it. So don arden was like oh you're out of your mind like he's a drunk he's nothing he's a cokehead like you're wasting your time with him it it like ruined their relationship because don arden at this point in his life is not a great guy it didn't sound like they had a great relationship no. to begin with no so that's sad sharon gives the idea and says hey this person should be your new singer uh he sings for he sings for rainbow at this point and rainbow was like an offshoot of deep purple uh, their guitar player, Richie Blackmore's band, um, the name of Ronnie James Dio. Oh my God! Yeah, did you, you didn't know that Dio was the second set singer in Sabbath? I did not know that. Yeah, I, I know you love Dio. I so, do yeah. love me some Dio. Yeah. So knowing what you know about these two singers, two singers that you know very well, who do you think would, would is is a better singer, Ozzy or Dio? Jeez, oh, just on technicality. Pure technicality, it's got to be Dio. Right, Dio is, but on theatrics amazing. and presence, I gotta give it to Ozzy. Well, so what what oh, happened no. was Dio Dio meets up with Iomi. They go and they meet at the Rainbow in L.A. and they have a drink together, and they just wanted to see if they vibe. And they go back home and they write a bunch of songs like right off the bat. So Dio and Ozzy. Dio, no Dio and Iomi. Oh, Tony okay. Iomi. It's like, what? No. So Ozzy at this point splits. He's kicked out of the band. He's not heard from yet. So he's like living in a hotel somewhere in L.A. And Sharon's trying to clean him up. Wants to put a new band together for Ozzy to become what was known at first was going to be called the Blizzard of Oz. That's amazing. Um, And then they struck that name and just stuck with Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, I wish they went with the Blizzard of Oz. Yeah, so (laughs) Ozzy's original solo band was supposed to be the Blizzard of Oz. Hmm. Um, So Dio comes in. They get together. New life shot into the band. And they shoot out the fucking gate. And they do a masterpiece. 1980s Heaven and Hell. True rock masterpiece. Start to finish. 
Neon Nice, the first song, you put it in, it's just like that. that you could tell they're back into it again. They get new life. They're happy. Dio has, again, technicality. He's got a wide range. He can hit those crazy notes. Really, really good. Um, you know, the song Heaven and Hell is probably the best known non-Aussie Sabbath song. Heaven and Hell was a pretty big hit. Um, so with his big vocal range, you know, at this time, it wasn't viewed as a popular move, though. Um, everyone loved Ozzy. And it's a fan favorite. He was a fan favorite. And, you know, so, but I think Dio was the absolute right call at that point. Like, I really do, because the band, something had to change in that band. And it, look what it did for Ozzy's career. And, you know, like, it, it took him, like, when I was a kid, like, I, I never correlated the two. I was like, oh my God, Ozzy was in Sabbath. Like, I, I didn't know. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't correlate the two. Like, because Ozzy was so big. So, you, when you first discovered Ozzy, he yeah. was solo. Yeah. And you didn't realize that he, he was, was originally no, Black Sabbath. No, my dad had explained that to me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So when did he, am I jumping the gun, when did he rejoin Black Sabbath? Uh, he wouldn't rejoin until the late 90s. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Until and the when late did, 90s. And when did Dio come out with Dio stuff? So we'll get into that. Oh, we'll, So we're going to we'll, we'll blow it. So, so many questions. Heaven and, Heaven and Hell comes, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty decent hit, but again... Sabbath fans are kind of like, yeah, Dio was great, but we miss Ozzy. We love Ozzy. Um, Martin Birch now is producing. Martin Birch, who's of Iron Maiden fame, Martin Birch did pretty much every single, produced every single Iron Maiden album. Great producer. Very good metal producer. He's behind the knobs on that one. Now in 1981, they do the second album, the second Dio-led album. It's called Mob Rules. Um I think this is, again, a super underrated album. Sabotage and Mob Rules. If you don't have these in your collection, go get them. Great albums. Uh, Bill Ward, at this point, the original drummer, says, hey, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. His health was declining. He missed his buddy Ozzy. His heart wasn't in it anymore. Go figure. Kind of, haha. No pun intended. No pun intended. Uh, Coming to Peace comes in. Um, very good friend of Dio. Um, comes in on this album, starts playing drums for this. Uh, it's very raw. It's very heavy. Martin Birch produced again. Uh, the title track is absolutely amazing. Mob Rules is a great song. Uh, the record, this record holds up the test of time. You know, around this time, they were uh, they decided they wanted to do a live record, and they're like, well, a live record with Dio." And they're like, "Oh, you know, let's, it's about that time. Let's record a live record." So. Rive record was recorded. Now they're into the mixing part of it. Iomi rules with the Iron Fist, and it's Iomi's band, and he says, this is how it's going to sound. So Iomi would come in, do a mix, and say, that's what I like. Iomi would, would leave. Dia would come in, oh, redo the mix, jack his vocals all the way at the top, oh, geez. and then leave. And then Iomi would come back and be pissed that the mix was changed, and it caused massive infighting. Surprise, surprise. Dio out at this point. <laughs> they uh, kicked him out, or did Dio choose to leave? It's They say he kicked him out, but I think it was more kind of like mutual, mutual separation. separation. He took the drummer with him, Carmen Apiece, because Carmen Apiece and Dio are very good friends. It's at this point that Dio and Carmen Apiece, they leave. They form Dio. They form yep. Ronnie James Dio's side band. Okay. The Dio. Um. Now we get into a strange part of Sabbath where it's 
just pieces of Sabbath. Were we not at? Oh, okay. Like, now, you know what I'm saying? Like, so in 1983, they do Born Again. Not good. Not a good record. So they get Ian Gillian, who's the lead singer of Deep Purple, to do this record. It's just, it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's not the same. Um, again, on another uh, Spinal Tap reference here. Um, where in the movie Spinal Tap, they have the tiny Stonehenge that was, you know, in danger of being tripped over by a dwarf. You know, you've never seen Stonehenge. Stonehenge is massive. It's being endangered, being crushed by a dwarf. <laughs> uh, so Iomi was so coked out at this point that he toured with a full a stage set of Stonehenge. That's what he wanted for the background. Wow. Yeah. Like, it was just really just out there and weird super easy to accomplish yeah exactly so they're just coming a parody of themselves at this point now 1986 geezer finally says i'm done bill ward came back for born again but he's done he's washed his hands again ian gillian who's only around for one record now out <laughs> just leaves iomi <laughs> so iomi now comes out with seven star in 1986 now i never gave this album the time of day to my good buddy ryan clark's like hey give it a listen it's not that bad that's not and it's really not it's pretty good glenn hughes who was ironically enough the second singer of deep purple um he's doing the vocals eric singer who was one of the drummers of kiss is doing the drums you know it's it's a decent album uh i never really gave it a chance but you know, it's good give it a listen so now again we're gonna it, it, there's just so much turnover at this point so it's like a new record new members and some old members rejoin 1987 the eternal idol not good <laughs> not good <laughs> um new guy on vocals this time around His name so it's is, new it's a new band every time pretty much so this time it's tony martin on vocals uh bob daisley from ozzy's band who was ozzy's primary songwriter is in Sabbath now for this record. Oh my God. Uh, Eric Singer back on drugs, uh, back on, not on drugs, but back on drums. (laughs) Eric Singer is, God bless Eric Singer. He's, he's a great drummer. He Um, might've been on drugs too. Probably. (laughs) Um, But again, not a good record. 89, the headless cross again, not a good record. The only thing you really need to know about this is Brian May from Queen plays guitar in a song. So it's kind of cool. Kind of cool. Uh, really? Just one song? Just one on song. The... Oh, okay. <laughs> In 1990, they do a concept record called Thire. What's a concept record? So a concept record is like where all the songs are supposed to kind of like come together in a story. Like American Idiot from Green Day. Okay. Not many people know that, but American Idiot from Green Day is actually, it follows, it's a story. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, in 1990, they try. It's a concept album, but it has no concept. It's really bad. Don't waste your time. In 1992, Iomi says, you know what? I'm going to call up my old buddy, Ronnie James Dio. We're going to get Carmen to Peace back, and then I'm going to beg Geezer Butler to get back into the fold here. We're going to do that classic Mob Rules lineup, and we're going to do Dehumanizer. Dehumanizer is actually a pretty good album. It's worth a listen. Take a listen, but again, it's 90s. It's it's a weird production. That eighty late eighties, early nineties production is super polished and it's doesn't work well for Sabbath, but I mean it's not that bad. Uh so nineteen ninety four, guess what? Dio Comrade Pies, 
they're gone. Again. Shocker. Shocker. Changed <laughs> up again. Tony Martin's back again. But this record, horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Not not worth the listen. In 1995, they came out with Forbidden. Again, not good. Not oh, good. No. Uh, the good thing about Forbidden is that Ice-T actually makes an appearance on Forbidden. Okay. I've changed my mind. Yeah. I want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ice-T, I don't know if you know this or not, but... Um, before Ice-T was on Law & Order and was an actor, he was actually in a hardcore band. I didn't know he was in a hardcore yeah, band. Yeah, like, he, he, he's actually, like, a really good metal singer. Like, he loves metal. I knew he was a singer, but yeah. I didn't. I did not associate yeah. him uh, with hardcore. Yes, yep. Uh, so, years now, 1997, you know, Ozzy is just massive. He's huge. He, like, he's done Blizzard of Oz. He's... Huge, massive, known superstar. And now it's the late 90s, and he's starting to, like, Sharon had the idea to do OzFest. Every every year, Ozzy went on tour. It's like this big, huge festival with tour, and Ozzy would headline. And were they married at that point, or was she yeah, still Yeah, oh, no, they him? married in the 80s, like, okay. the, like the late 80s they married. Um, so Sharon actually has the idea and wants to get Sabbath back together, like with the original lineup. And fences are mended, they have the idea. They say, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's give it a go. They have a reunion concert. goes off super well. It's the original lineup. It's, you know, it's Geezer. It's Bill Ward. It's Iomi. It's Ozzy. Everyone loves it. They did a, a record, a live record called Reunion. Check that out. Very, very good about their comeback show in Birmingham. It's phenomenal. The DVD is really, really good as well. That's really cute that they did their comeback show in Birmingham. In Birmingham. It only makes sense. And then they would go on to uh, do a couple Ozfest tours, like where Sabbath would headline and close out Ozfest every uh, on all the stops. I love it. Uh, true story. I was a senior in high school and got to go to uh, an Ozfest, and I was super excited because this is supposed to be my first time to go see Black Sabbath. So I was pumped. I was, and it was the original lineup, so I was like over the moon excited. Um, that day it was like. 103 degrees outside oh no and Ozfest like started at 10 a.m and went until midnight did you get drunk and pass out from the i heat? mean i was like i was in high school so like yes. i wasn't really no 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 no, no, no. i wasn't <laughs> like <laughs> i wasn't a real big drinker then and it was so hot outside my buddy who i was with he ended up having a heat stroke oh no right before sabbath came on stage and he passed out oh and i had to go with him and back so i missed all sabbath oh no yeah because he was dehydrated and he passed out did you ever let him live it down i don't talk to mr dave jason anymore these days i haven't talked to him in years i mean not because of that but i mean to kind of hold it against him still (laughs) but no like it's dave if you're listening he's still mad at you yeah (laughs) um so in you know in 2013 now, they want to do, finally do, like, an original lineup album. But by this point, Bill Ward hasn't been touring with the band for a while. You know, he's, his heart won't can't keep up with it. Um, so they get Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, to come in and record the album 13, which is their 13th record. Um, you don't say. Yeah, I know. Solid record. Uh, nothing I would put up on a Mount Rushmore or anything like that, but it's solid. It's back to their old school sound. The song "God Is Dead," which is like one of their singles, really good song. 
In 2017, they kind of strike out on their final tour. Now we're wrapping up everything that is Sabbath. Uh, Tony, Tommy uh, Sheflos. The the tour we went on? Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. They yeah. failed that? They that wasn't fa- a good tour? No, no. The, like they're wrapping. Like that was their final tour. They, yeah. they're, they retired after that. Oh, I thought you were implying no. that it wasn't a good no, final no, no, tour. No, 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 no. They wrapped. Like they, that was their final. Like So uh, the drummer... Tommy Shefflis, uh, he's a drummer for Cooper, Ted Nugent, Rob Zombie, did some Aussie solo stuff. They picked him to be the drummer, and he is phenomenal. Go out and search 2017 live stuff with Sabbath to see Tommy Drummond. It's phenomenal. He's very, 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 very good. We did see them on their final run in uh, Mansfield, Mass. Unbelievable show from what I remember because we did have (laughs) – VIP passes in an open bar, and, and your boy kind of took advantage of the open bar. The struggle and, was real. Yeah, the struggle it? was real back then, and I had myself a good time, and I was pretty drunk when Sabbath went on stage. I remember most of it, but I was pretty, pretty drunk. I remember almost getting kicked out and starting a fight with the security guard because— I remember we were sitting third row, yeah, we were and sit- you kept trying to get to the very front. Yeah, because I wanted to be in front of Iomi because all I wanted was— like, I wanted an Iomi guitar pick. Yep. And he threw one at me, and it hit the security guard, and he took it, and I freaked out, and that's when we almost get kicked out because I started yelling and screaming at the security guard. Instead of just drunk. waiting for another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, unbelievable show. It was great. It was awesome. Um, you, they were we tired. got picks from that show. No, didn't we didn't. We? No. Well, we ended up with the VIP. Uh, yeah, like a lanyard. Came yeah. with um, the box set. Yeah, so we, we had. Have the, yeah. Well, I mean, they're like collectible. We got like, the collectible. I wanted picks. like an actual like Tommy. The real one. But that kind of closed the book on Sabbath. Tony Iomi, if you're listening. Yeah, please. Yeah, Tony Iomi. Uh, you know, hit me up on the Instagram. Give me, give me a pick, please. That'd be awesome. Um, so that kinda... I will post a video on Instagram of him absolutely <laughs> melting if that happens. <laughs> um, so 2017, again, closes the book on Sabbath. Um, they retire. Ozzy's still kind of doing his solo things here and there. Uh, Iomi pops up here and there. Um, Geezer doesn't do too much now. Bill Ward is completely retired. Doesn't do much of anything anymore. Um, so some kind of other like Sabbath related stuff to check out. Um, back in the late nineties, they did uh, a compilation called uh, NIB Nativity in Black, uh, Volume One and Volume Two, and it was a bunch of current bands at the time who did Sabbath covers. And like, there's a bunch of really good Sabbath covers, like Pantera doing Electric Funeral, and then on Volume Two, it is absolutely phenomenal. It's Primus with Ozzy doing NIB and it's fantastic. And uh, in 2000, Iomi did a solo record, but it's not on Spotify or on YouTube. You can't really find it anywhere. Huh. I, it's probably some sort of legal stuff, I bet. Interesting. Yeah, um, but it. Iomi had a different singer for every single track. And one of the tracks is with Dave Grohl. Oh, and that's it's amazing. Phenomenal. It's really, really, really good. So, where, how do you listen to it? You have to get the album. You pre- it, they didn't pressed it on vinyl. Like, they never, pre- it was the year 2000. So, I know you're not a vinyl nerd like me, but. Think, you're a vinyl think, girl? Vinyl nerd. Oh, vinyl said. nerd. <laughs> you said you're not a vinyl girl like me. No, vinyl nerd. <laughs> so, think, think about like the vinyl art kind of like this. From the 50s. 
all the way to like the late 80s. It's the one of the only ways you can get music is vinyl. And then cassettes came out, but like that was like the portable vinyl, they kind of thought. Mm-hmm. Like cassettes and vinyl like lived hand in hand. There was never a problem. When CDs came out, everything for vinyl went to crap. Like people just wanted CDs. Yep. So in the year 2000, they were not pressing anything pretty much on vinyl. It was okay. very, very limited. So that was never pressed on vinyl. Uh, Heaven and Hell was kind of like a side project that was Dio, Carmen Apice, Iomi, and Geezer. And they didn't work under the label of Sabbath, but they worked under the title of Heaven and Hell. Okay. And uh, they did a, a record in 2010 called The Devil You Know, and it's really, really good. It's phenomenal. Very, very good. Check that out. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much everything uh, on Black Sabbath that we have. So I have some Sabbath. I just have a couple would you rather questions. Oh, hell yeah. I feel like on the first, your inaugural podcast, Ooh. the people need to get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So would you rather only be able to listen to black sabbath songs Mm -hmm. so like anytime you play spotify vine i mean anything Mm -hmm. can only be black sabbath songs but you can go to any concert you want to at any time or never be able to listen to any black sabbath again (laughs) that's tough Oh, I'd have to fall on the sword and say no Sabbath because I mean I listen to so much vinyl, but yeah. like I don't. That's tough. I wouldn't like it, but yeah, I would have to survive through Ozzy because ha, Ozzy does like does like Sabbath stuff. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> on his live record, so I get it that way. Okay, all right, I I, I appreciate that answer. <laughs> okay, and then your last would you rather question? So, would you rather get to spend a week on vacation with Black Sabbath? but never be able to purchase another vinyl record again? Or would you rather have unlimited vinyl, but never be able to meet anyone in Black Sabbath? Give me the unlimited vinyl. Unlimited vinyl, yeah. and you can never meet Black Sabbath? Yeah, that's okay. Sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes, right? Like, that's oh. like the whole thing. <laughs> like, sometimes you don't want to I meet guess. your heroes. Okay. I, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I, I haven't met them to this point, so. All right. You know, like I'm, I'm sure they're great and lovely gentlemen, but <laughs> upstanding, gentlemen. upstanding gentlemen. But uh, no, like no, no, no. no. <laughs> All right, I love it. Yeah. Um. All right, and the last kind of segment. But uh, my idea was how I wanted to kind of close every discography that we talked about. It was kind of like recommend some record titles of things that, like, hey, if you like Black Sabbath, you might like this. But it's not like Hey, if you like Black Sabbath, listen to Ozzy Osbourne. Okay. Hey, if so- you like Black Sabbath, listen to Motorhead. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I wanted it to be like, hey, like, if you like Black Sabbath and you want to branch out and listen to something a little different, check okay, this stuff so out. Just different things that people who listen to Black Sabbath may not think to, right. to listen to. Okay. And I mean, some of them might have heard this already if they're more versed and they're kind of like, oh, yeah, like I listen to everything. Or if people are just like, no, this is the lane that I stay in. But if you wanted to branch out, check some of this stuff out. But And on the other end, too, speaking from, you know, the wife, un, you know, not vinyl nerd perspective, yep. is if your partner listens to some of these on this list, they might like Black Sabbath. That's a very good point. They didn't even think about that. 
So we have, uh, so the first record I would recommend, kind of out of the punk genre a little bit, uh, Social Distortion, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell. Uh, it's a good punk record, rockabilly record, um, dark con- content, kind of like Sabbath, like the dark lyrical content, but it's very fast, very punky. Like, I think it'll be something that, like, if you wanted to get more of a punk vibe, something you can kind of check out. So lyrically, it's similar. Lyrically, I would say it's similar, like dark lyrics, okay. that kind of stuff. Um, how about this? Like, you know, maybe you just live under a rock and you've never listened to the Beatles Revolver before. Or if well, you're a big, if, well, if you're a big Sabbath fan, you just kind of never branched out to the Beatles. You're like, oh, I kind of want to listen to the Beatles, but I don't know where to begin. I think if you listen to Revolver, you'll you'll kind of get into that because it's like you get like the darker subject matter, like you know Eleanor Rigby, Eleanor Rigby, and stuff like that. Like I think you know it's you know it's dark, but it's different. It's poppy. Like it's it's something different. It's something new. Or if you ever wanted to listen to like jazz want to get like down with jazz and you just don't want to be like oh i'll listen to jazz sabbath because it's a jazz ensemble playing jazz <laughs> playing black sabbath songs wait is that a real thing that jazz is a real sabbath thing is a, that's that amazing. is a real thing uh try try some miles davis miles davis kind of blue you know it's pee in your pants is cool consider, consider me, me miles, miles davis. davis that's right <laughs> that's right or again like another punk Ben, if you wanted to get into, and, and you know, you like Sabbath, but you want to get a little more in the punk, how about some Husker Do? Husker Do, New Day Rising, great record, very Hus- fast. Husker, like the like the Nebraska Huskers? No, Hus- oh, excuse me, Husker Do. Oh, Husker Do. Husker Do. Husker Do. Husker Do. Uh, if you want to listen to some country, how about like some Waylon Jennings? That's some country I can uh, get behind. Yeah, Waylon Jennings, Lonely or- Lonely. Oh. Lonesome, ornery, and mean. Ugh, that's a mouthful. Lonely, ornery, lonesome, lonesome, ornery, ornery and mean. And mean. Uh, I'll I'll take care of the tongue twisters for you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. But honestly, like, it's like outlaw country. Like, it's cool stuff. It's different. You'll dig it. Give it a chance. Try some different music. Uh, if you want to get crazy and listen to some like electronic music, throw some Prodigy on. Prodigy, the fat of the land you'll like it it's loud it's fast it's different you'll like it or if you want to get you know kind of into it, some indie stuff or something like that how about radiohead okay computer Ooh, there you go then you or if you want to listen to some blues try stevie ray vaughn some texas flood i feel like would want nothing more than for people to listen to blues yeah some stevie ray vaughn texas flood or even like zz top fandango like it's their more bluesier zz top record um a more like modern punk rock record would be like some AFI. AFI Sing the Sorrow. Very dark, kind of gothic. I think that, you know, they would be into that. Um, or how about if you want to, you know, be, get into the cure? I'm sure everyone's heard, dis, uh, everyone's heard, you know, Disintegration. Get deeper in their discography. Listen to the app called Pornography. It's pornography? called Pornography. It's super super dark it's very dark and doom doomy like i think sabbath fans if they're looking for something that kind of different check that out and of course you know something completely different try lou reed lou reed transformer phenomenal record again dark lyrical content still a darker record something i think you want to enjoy like if you know again this is just stuff if you want to branch out be different kind of like you know different music for metalheads if they've never want to you know never listen to anything but metal but wanted to try like a jazz record or try something different 
I know you're closing out the podcast yes. with these amazing suggestions, mm-hmm. but something that I just thought of. Yeah. I feel like we can't have a Black Sabbath podcast talk about Ozzy Osbourne. What's the bat story? So that that wasn't people want to hear that. That was when that was Ozzy was solo. Stuff, no, right? no, that was when he was solo in the. Um, so the whole story was he was it was in his solo days. I don't know the year exactly, but um, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm yeah, sorry. I don't know the year exactly, but. Um, Somebody threw up a live bat on the stage, and Obby, Ozzy thought it was from production. And he thought it was a oh, rubber bat, no. and so he just like bit the head off of it and spit it out. And Sharon was like on the side of the stage, like throwing her hands up and screaming, "You idiot! It's real. That's a oh, real no. bat. That's not from us." <laughs> if you want a crazy Ozzy story, <laughs> so Sharon sets up this meeting at Epic Records and he's trying to get Ozzy signed because Ozzy at this point this is before Crazy Train and stuff like that before he's trying to get him started out on his solo records Um, sets up this meeting at Epic Records it's a boardroom full of all these shirt and tie people people who would want nothing to do with Ozzy Osbourne (laughs) or listen to an Ozzy record in their life or a Sabbath record and you know Sharon brings Ozzy with him and Ozzy is fucking hammered love it they had this idea Sharon was like hey we're gonna put this dove in your pocket and release it into the air as like a sign of peace or something like nice or whatever so instead of releasing it into the air Ozzy took it out of his pocket bites the head off the pigeon or the dove spits it out (gasps) And they've got this great picture of Ozzy with all this blood running down his chin in like a middle of the And that was room. real? That wasn't like set up? <laughs> no. Oh my god. So they got kicked out of Epic Records. And ironically enough, Epic Records ended up signing him anyway. But... Because they want the money. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He was I a love mad it. man. I love it. Do you have anything else that you would like to say to the people before we sign off on our first ever podcast? I don't think so. No. Uh, but yeah, go. I would say pl- unplug in the social media. Go see us on Twitter, visit us on Twitter and Instagram, and leave comments. I think we're really just flying by the seat of our pants here, trying to figure out what we want this to to be. And so your feedback would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, further into we go into all this i'd like to you know get different people and guests and stuff like that like there'll be different people and you know every week there'll be a different band and i'll always talk about like you know new releases that are coming out and i'm going to also start um a discogs page where i'm going to sell some some my records and i'll have like records of the week and stuff like that all that good stuff will come very shortly and very soon um but yeah um this is you know this is awesome this is makes me makes my heart happy doing this you know i get to get an outlet to talk about you know my true passion and you know hopefully i haven't bored you for like almost two hours and you're still with us and you're still hanging on and you kind of like the content um but thank you for listening i appreciate your time be good to each other we'll see you next time